Hey everybody, welcome to yet another episode of Topical Brainstorm. We are still in business and uh, <laughs> my name's Christian Larson and this is my co-host Garrett Fox. Hey Christian, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm doing well, good to talk to you again man. Yeah, good to talk to you. Still in business, we're not making any money but still in business. <laughs> still, yeah, still going. We're our the money that we make is is not money in the monetary sense, but rather the knowledge that we gain. We're gonna be we're gonna be rich in knowledge. Yes, which is and friends and and, yeah. and uh, influence. Yeah, and that's <laughs> that's what we're going for here, man. Like I feel yeah. like we've learned some good stuff. Yeah, no doubt. It's been a good book. And yeah. uh, today we have another chapter. This chapter is titled, If You're Wrong, Admit It. So last couple chapters have kind of been about not calling people out when they're wrong because it just gets them defensive. This chapter is the other hand or the other side of that story. If you're the one who's been wrong or if you're the one who made a mistake, just admit it. And I think it's a a really powerful principle that has a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of value in it, but he also mentioned some other things that I'd never really contemplated before that also, um, they're really good benefits to admitting when you've made a mistake. Yeah. I'm going to be straight up with y'all. This is the one thing in this book that I'm actually already good at. (laughs) Uh, Like, I... For some reason, I have no problem, which uh, not in every case, but for some reason, I have a really good ability to just be wrong and be able to admit that to people and to myself. I feel like that's gotten me ahead in life, as ahead as I can be, at least, you know. So, yeah, this, this one's really near and dear to me, so I'm excited to dive into it. How did you how did you get so good at this? Okay, because I'm wrong a lot, Christian. Is that what you want to hear? <laughs> no. No, that was that was a sincere question. Like oh. what what advice do you have? <laughs> no, I wasn't I wasn't making fun of you. Oh man. I actually don't know. I think I just realized that um when you're able to admit that you're wrong, you come off as more intelligent. And then when I realized that, I just started like looking out for the times that I was wrong. And I would admit that to myself. And whether, you know, I was wrong at my at my job or whatever it would be, I would just admit that to the people overseeing me. And uh, everyone likes it when... If if you don't know an answer to something and somebody, like if someone asks you a question and you don't know the answer, people know when you make up an answer. The same thing goes when you're wrong. Like people know when you're wrong. So you might as well it, just admit that you're wrong because it, it makes you come off as more intelligent. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, just lots of practice. That's how I got good at it, I guess. <laughs> nice. 
Uh, I liked what you said about <coughs> there being a connection between you like bullcrapping an answer to a question and admitting you're wrong. I'd never really thought about that before, but I it makes sense, you know? Yeah. When you try to just make something up to not seem um, ignorant, you usually end up sounding just more ignorant than you would have yeah if you're if you had just admitted you know <laughs> yeah that makes which sense. is it's really funny because like in job interviews that's like the prime time where people just like have to think on their feet and are always making things up you know mm-hmm. i think if i was in a job interview or if i was the one interviewing and somebody legitimately like just looked at me and was like you know i don't have an answer for that i think i would really respect that person yeah depending on the question you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's a good point it does depend on the question yeah for sure um that's a good that's an interesting point of view though one story from this chapter that um really demonstrates this principle he just tells it at the very start and it's the author speaking about himself he used to as a boy he'd go to this park it was called forest park and he said it was basically a forest so it was technically a park but it was it was foresty and there was a rule that you couldn't have any dogs off leash but he would um as a lot of people do anyway he would just let his dog off the leash and uh he was a well-behaved dog and everything and and he wasn't worried about it. But one day he ran into a police officer and um, the police officer questioned him and he was like, yeah, I know it's illegal. I know it's against the law, but I didn't think he'd do any harm. So Dale Carnegie just defends himself and the cop is instantly like just berates him. He's just like, you didn't think you didn't think the law doesn't give a, tinker's damn about what you think he says <laughs> Look, I, don't, I don't know what tinker means but yeah anyway he says that dog might kill a squirrel or bite a child he's like i'll let you off this time but if i see you if i catch you again you'll have to tell that to a judge and so dell was like okay sure and then later the week later that week he goes back to the park with his dog and he's just like ah, i'm not gonna run into the cop this time so he lets his dog off leash again and uh instantly he goes over this hill and the same cop is just right there um riding a horse to paint the picture uh because i'm sure when i said cop no one imagined this guy riding a horse but anyway the police officer he's he's riding a horse he like he sees the dog he looks at the boy and before the officer can even open his mouth del carnegie's just like let me find let me find uh, the line he says Officer, you've caught me red-handed. I'm guilty. I have no alibis, no excuses. You warned me last week that if I brought the dog out here again without a muzzle, you would find me. Um, and because he was so quick to admit that he had, had made a mistake, the officer was like, well, now, it's, it's like, I get it. It's hard, to, like, it's hard to resist the temptation to let a little dog like that run, run around when no one else is here. And Dill was like, I know it's an, I know it's a temptation, but it's against the law. And then the cop was like, well, a little dog like that isn't going to harm anybody. Um, and then Dell was like, but he might kill a squirrel. And the cop was like, you're taking this too seriously. So um, <laughs> I thought that was a great, great representation of this principle and how um, the cop, the policeman just wanted to, you know, he wanted to feel important. And so the first interaction, he felt important by 
you know, condemning the little kid and scaring him and telling him what the law was. But then the second time around, when Del Carnegie admitted his mistake and began to condemn himself, the cop, it says the only way he could nourish his self-esteem was to take the magnanimous attitude of showing mercy. Um, which I thought that was well said, but also just a great representation of this principle and how if you admit your mistake quickly, people are much more likely to take your side and try to bolster you as opposed to tear you down. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's that's the key is admitting it and admitting it quickly. Because um, the quicker you do it, the more likely people are to, as you said, hold you up and um, and support you through the mistake or whatever it is that you're wrong about. Um, he gives another example of the, uh, it was like a small town art, art artist that was commissioned to paint something for some company. And, the the company person that he painted it for called him in and he was ruthless for finding like little details that he didn't like about his art. And he would just hammer him on these little details that were wrong. So he got called in one day to this guy's office and he was he just started to hammer him and he's like, You're absolutely right. I screwed up. I will redo the painting. Any mistake is like I, I need your business. Any mistake is a mistake. And the the quicker he did it, the the more the the guy was just like, Well, no, it's just a little thing. Like I just want you to change it. I and then um like I don't want you to redo anything you know and i think that's the key is when when you do it quickly in order for people to get their sense of importance that this book talks so much about they have to be merciful because they have to go opposite of what you say mm-hmm. um and they have to be right so if you're saying that you're wrong then all of a sudden they're saying that you're right. And that's how they get their sense of importance. Yeah, that's an interesting principle. And it's also, he's, yeah, you're right. He's mentioned that, that sense of importance that everybody wants to feel. He's mentioned that a lot of different times in this book. And a lot of times it's in ways you don't really think about, you know, it's like, it's true. And someone if if there's someone you know loves to give criticism out, you know, usually your boss or whoever, a lot of the reason why they're doing that is because it makes them feel powerful, makes them feel important, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure I'm sure a part of it is also because they want you to improve, especially if they're running a business, you know, and you're their employee. Yeah. They want their business to improve by making you a better employee. But um and I also, something that just popped into my mind, I haven't actually thought this through all the way yet, but I think this principle could be taken too far if you're if you're so wanting to avoid criticism that you just degrade everything you do. Yes. At that point, I don't think it would be very a positive thing, you know? If yeah. If that makes sense. No, it does. It kind of reminds me of that episode of The Office where... Michael, um, of course it's Michael. He, (laughs) 
he falls into the koi pond. Do you remember that yeah, one? That's the one I was thinking you were about to bring up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he falls into the koi pond and everyone's making fun of him. And Jim just tells him like, look, Michael, just make fun of yourself. And he's like, no, that's stupid. That'll never work. You're a doofus. And he's like, you're right. I'm a big fat, like dumb doofus. And then Michael immediately is like, no, don't say that. No, you're not. And then it clicks and he's like, whoa, that works. So he tries to do it and he just takes it way too far. He's like, who, I mean, like, yeah, but like after everyone was on his side, he just kept going and degrading himself. And you just cringe at it, you know? Yeah, he ends up in tears, if I remember. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite line from that is just like, I don't even have Jan's number, and I hate Jan. <laughs> I think that's that episode. If someone can correct me, good for you. But, um, yeah, super funny. That's way funny, dude. <laughs> I don't even have Jan's number, and I hate her. Uh, that is really funny. Uh, yeah. That's a good point that you brought up, though. Yeah. We should quote The Office more often, you know? We should. I bet, I bet there's examples of every principle in this book. Probably, in probably from Michael Scott alone, but... <laughs> probably, yeah. That guy's a legend. Uh. I do think that... Like I said, this can probably be taken too far, but I'm sure the majority of people don't take it far enough. You know, majority of people are not very willing to admit their mistakes. And um, that leads to leads to a lot of problems, you know? Yeah. And I, well, I also feel like a lot of people, myself included, a lot of the time, find other reasons why they made the mistake. Mm-hmm. Like they want to blame it on something that was outside of their control. When almost always it can go back to something that was within your control. Yeah. Um, so I would just caution people to, you know, look for the things that you definitely can improve on. And, uh, admit it when you do something wrong because some things are out of your control, but almost always like, here's an example from my life last semester or fall semester last year, I was in biochemistry class and I got pneumonia and was out of commission for like a week. And I ended up like totally failing the class and had to retake it. And Part of it was because I got pneumonia, but part of it was because, like, I just wasted a bunch of time up for the first three tests, and then I got pneumonia and had a really, really bad test, you know? Like, I could have done better the whole semester, and then when I got pneumonia and was out for a week, it wouldn't have been a big deal. Mm -hmm. But because of my laziness... I, and procrastination, I didn't do so well on, on pretty much the whole class the whole time. And now I'm in that class again and, um, <laughs> it's going much better the second time. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Progress. Yes. Yeah, I agree. And it's, that's another thing that's, that's very hard to do consistently 
is is focus on the thing that you had control over and recognize you know the parts that you could have controlled because there are there's always an excuse you can find you know yeah it's like with this pandemic going on you can find an excuse to not get pretty much anything done that you're supposed to get done you know yeah um not that you couldn't find an excuse before the pandemic but the pandemic alone can be used as an excuse for just about anything but yeah um yeah i think i think that's a pretty big secret to success would be being able to you know understand what you can control and not only admitting when you made a mistake but if you understand what you can control you're less likely to make a mistake because you're going to do your best to control what you can control you know yeah but the the key with that again is being honest about like what you can actually improve on you have to honestly examine the things in your life or whatever you're trying to improve and decide what's in your control because i feel like a lot of people think there are things outside of their control that you can easily trace back to being in your control you know mm-hmm. like my homework this weekend i wasted a bunch of time put it all off and now i'm doing homework and i'm trying to cram it all in that's my fault right there like i had friday and all of saturday to do it so yeah that's another tough thing being honest with yourself yeah and that's also key like you said i agree um it's very easy to make an excuse and yeah wasting time is we were just talking about this but we need to find a book about fixing that you know (laughs) yeah we do this uh so there was a story in here about in this chapter about the chinese man who took the class in hong kong he took dale's class in hong kong and i guess in in the chinese culture there's this um uh, custom where the if if someone is wronged it's always the younger person that has to go to the older person first and apologize no matter who is wrong which i find kind of interesting it's definitely different than what i would think is fair but that's you know it's not my culture and that's the culture over there that's just how it is so there's this old chinese man who was in this class learning this principle and he had this conflict because he had wronged his son um with like i believe it was drugs and his son hadn't talked to him in like 20 years his son was married now had kids so this this man had grandchildren that he had never met so he in the midst of this class, he decided that he would take the first step against his culture and um, go talk to his son. And he did that. He reached out to his son and he, you know, he got his son back, Um, which I thought was a really cool story. So just 
it reminds me also of of my dad a little bit. Um, one thing I've really respected about my dad is whenever he's wronged one of us kids, he he always apologizes after. Like I remember growing up, there was a few different times where my dad would knock on my door when I was in my room, just like sad about something that um, he had said to me or done to me or something. And he would come and he would apologize to me. And I found that super cool. And it's something I plan on doing with my kids someday as well, because no one's perfect. Everyone's wrong. Of, at some point in their life. So it's just really important that you recognize that and are able to admit it. For sure. I liked that. I mean, I liked your story too. That's, I definitely think that's a really good quality to have in all relationships, but especially as a parent. Um, and yeah, it was interesting how I'd never heard of that tradition, you know, and like yeah. you said, it's a it's a culture that's that's different from from Mars, obviously. Um, and I'm sure there are cultural things that we have that um, that maybe make it um, harder to apply certain principles um, that we know we should apply. You know, but that's probably something to do with respecting your elders or something. I'm sure, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh one last story that I that I liked from this chapter talked about um an author who um I think he wrote he wrote news articles or something. Um but it said um so it said Albert Hubbard was his name, and it says he was one of the most original authors who ever stirred up a nation, and his stinging sentences often aroused fierce resentment. Then it also says that he had the rare skill of handling people and frequently frequently turned his enemies into friends. Um, and one example of a, of a letter he wrote. So he he wrote some article. Some irritated reader wrote in saying that he didn't agree at all, and that it was it was a terrible thing that he said. And so Albert. Elbert Hubbard, um, the author, responded like this, and I'll just read it word for word. He said, Come to think it over, I don't entirely agree with it myself. Not everything I wrote yesterday appeals to me today. I am glad to learn what you think on the subject. The next time you're in the neighborhood, we should visit. You must visit us, and we'll get this subject threshed out for all time. So here's a hand clasp over the miles. Yours sincerely. Um, I think that's another great example of of just quickly admitting you're wrong, you know. And and he did it in a way that, you know, he didn't necessarily admit what he was wrong about, you know, but he was just like, "Hey, maybe you're right. Maybe I'm wrong, you know? Like, let's sit down and talk about it next time we get the chance." Yeah, um, which I think is a great a great attitude to have, great mindset and kind of applies to the last couple chapters. Um but it's a way of not getting defensive, a way of, you know, lowering any barrier that the other person might have and increasing communication, um, which I guess is, is, you know, kind of the goal of this principle in, in a way. Yeah. 
this principle is just so it's so against human nature you know we all believe we're right all the time and yet in the back of our heads we all know that we're sometimes wrong <laughs> and even though that knowledge is in the back of the he- our heads we think that every argument we have is sound and correct mm-hmm. which is just not true you know even even my arguments which i believe are all sound and correct are not that's just how it is mm-hmm. um it's like today me and my roommates were talking about fallacies and how the only way to you have to actively like not actively think about a a bunch of different things to not engage in fallacy all the time like in everyday life um and just when i think about that conversation that we had today that i had today with my roommates it made me realize how wrong I am, even though like I'm I'm pretty aware of how wrong I am all the time. But it just hit me even more today with that conversation that, you know, maybe I'm not as right as often as I as I actually think I am, you know? Yeah. Uh that kind of reminds me of what we were talking about, I think just last, last episode about Teddy Roosevelt wanting to be right 75% of the time, you know? Yeah. He was like, if I can do that, I will be a successful president. Um, and most of us are probably wrong. Yeah. Like 50% of the time, you know, like let's strive to be right. 55% of the time is what the author wrote. And, um, you're right. I mean, we're, we're wrong a lot. And, um, Another thing you just brought up to my mind is is going back to politics. Like, you know, roughly half the people, like the last election, right? Like half the people voted for Trump. I think popular vote, technically Hillary Clinton won it, if I remember right. But like, that's like 50-50, right, of our country. And, yeah. if, any, and if anything, in the last four years, it's gotten just more divided, right? You know, like more, maybe not, maybe, okay, let me see, more, yeah, maybe divided is the right word, sorry, my dog is trying to bite me right now, Scarlet, quit it, okay, Um, what was I trying to say, so if anything, um, I feel like there's more division and more conflict than, than there were four years ago, and like with this election, it's probably going to be pretty close to 50% voting for Donald Trump, 50% voting for Joe Biden. And like, I definitely know what I believe and what I believe, like, I think I'm right. You know, it's like, yeah, like me I too. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's so hard to understand where the other half is coming from, but like the other half of the country who's voting for the person I'm not going to be voting for, it's like, they firmly believe they're right. You know? Yeah, and politics is one of the hardest things to like have this mindset, you know. But like, if we could have the mindset of of that author, that quote I just read, where he's like, "Hey, like maybe I'm wrong. We should get together and talk about it," you know. Yeah, like you don't see much of that going on. 
And that's such a hard thing to do with, with political or deeply held beliefs. But I think that would solve just so many of the problems we see today in our, in our country. I agree. I feel like both sides have a hard time understanding the other side. For sure. Which you're right. If we could solve that problem, that one measly problem, we should solve it and we could become rich, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it's Uh, that easy. I don't think it is either. Yeah. But that's just so, it's so crazy. Uh, Like politicians especially can, uh, they almost can't even live this principle of when they're wrong, admit it, because they'll get torn to shreds. Yeah. Which unfortunately is how it is because I, if there was a politician out there would be like, that would just say, hey, I got this one wrong. Like, here's why I now believe I'm wrong. I, I've changed my stance. Um, I, I would respect that. It doesn't matter yeah. what side they were on. I would respect that. Yeah. That's uh, like, I, I guess Donald Trump did kind of do that with his uh, pro-life stance that he has now. He used to be... Um, pro-choice and then he changed it to pro-life because he he met someone that um was gonna be aborted but the mom at the last second decided to keep that person and he said that changed his whole whole stance on it and i respect that you know like if you're able to think and learn and grow from your experiences and change your opinion about something you should be able to express that in a way where you don't get hammered for it, you know? Yeah, I wish. Yeah. (laughs) I wish that was more common, but... Yeah, me too. I agree with you. I think that would be a completely fine, respectable thing to do, right? Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, I think if that were to happen, like, you know, Trump were to come out tomorrow and change one of his opinions, like, no matter how well he put it, he would just get you know it would get twisted into some way how he was a terrible guy yeah unfortunately that's i think environment (laughs) yeah well i think that goes honestly i think the media is just out to get both sides because they just want to raise hell and uh yeah you know get get ratings and they want people to watch them so i think personally this is and i could be wrong about this you know but i think the media is just out to get everyone from every side depending on the network that you watch you know yeah Uh, so i don't know admit when you're wrong (laughs) yeah don't be like Politicians. Don't be like politicians. Or the media. Uh, One quote, I think it's in the last paragraph that I liked from this chapter was, says, not only will that technique, talking about admitting when you're wrong, the technique, not only will that technique produce astonishing results, but believe it or not, it is a lot more fun under the circumstances than trying to defend oneself. And I think he, he's mentioning that because he's saying it's a lot more fun to 
to admit you're wrong and then watch the other person like come over to your <laughs> yeah. side. Um, which, you know, there's no guarantee that's always going to happen, but it seems pretty likely that it will. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can think of one, one interaction I had with a cop once. Well, okay, let's give a good and bad example. One time driving to work in Logan early in the morning, I like the car in front of me slammed on his brakes to turn into a turn into a parking lot. And so I like quickly changed lanes. You know, it, it was an aggressive move. Um, I quickly got into the left lane to not have to slow down, you know, wasn't in an intersection or anything, but like the car that was turning into the gas station was a undercover cop car. He instantly turns his lights on, gets behind me, pulls me over. And he just like, he instantly pulls up to my, like walks up to my window and he's just like, what were you doing? What were you thinking? Just like attacking me. Right. And I was just like, uh, I, I didn't really, I don't feel like I got super defensive, but I also didn't admit I was wrong. I was just like kind of quiet while he like yelled at me. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> I remember this story actually. Yeah, dude, I was so upset. I feel like he treated me really poorly. Regardless, I didn't quickly admit my mistake. And I was just like, uh, I was just like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. Like, I finally did. And then he was just like, I could give you a ticket, but I, I feel like you're starting to understand it a little bit, maybe. <laughs> like he was yeah, he was rude. He was rude. Anyway, that was I guess this isn't the best example because he did not give me a ticket. He left um after yelling at me for 10 minutes. The other example I have, I was driving to Logan from Boise after Christmas break with my little sister Sarah, and I was driving way too fast. Um, and I turn a corner on the freeway. I see a cop, you know, like parked just like, um, and I'm instantly like, Oh, he got me. So I just like slow down. He turns his lights on as I pass him and I'm like, okay. So I pull over and there's like, there's no reason to defend myself at that point. Right. In my mind. Oh yeah. Like he pulls he me over. You. Yeah. He pulls me over. He's like, what were you thinking driving that fast? And I was like, yeah, I don't have an excuse. I should not have been driving that fast. And then he was like, um, he was like, he, he didn't say anything else besides that. He was just like, okay. He's like, yeah, you shouldn't have been driving that fast. And then he like took my license and he did give me a ticket, even though I admitted my wrong. So yeah, not, not, you know, there wasn't a punishment, even though I admitted my mistake, but at least I didn't get verbally attacked for 10 minutes. Yeah, there you um, go. And it was a much more, even though like, even though I got a ticket that time, I drove away feeling a lot better you know it was just like yeah i deserved it at least he didn't like disrespect me yeah um anyway it is a lot more fun at times to just admit you're wrong and uh deal with the consequence than not admitting you're wrong still dealing with the consequence and getting you know criticized or berated (laughs) i think yeah no you're right Uh, a lot of times when you are wrong uh, the consequence is just like way easier to deal with when you just admit it. Mm-hmm. For sure. I li- yeah, I like those stories. I remember both of those. I remember you getting <laughs> uh, getting that ticket and uh, 
not getting a ticket, you were way more pissed about the one you didn't get a ticket on. <laughs> yeah, that was mean. <laughs> yeah. Huh. In my defense, you know, and maybe I should, maybe I'm still not ready to admit my mistake in that situation. <laughs> but he didn't even use his blinker. He just like slams on his brakes right in front of me. And like we weren't going that fast, but I should I, yeah. I, I should have just slowed down. But like, dude, use your blinker. It's so annoying. Yeah. I had to give him a ticket. Just kidding. That's fair. Do that. Well, I mean, that's unfortunate. I'm glad you didn't say that to him because you would have gotten a ticket. <laughs> I definitely wanted to, but you're yeah. right. <laughs> um. Anyway, I think that's about all I have for this chapter. Yeah, me too. No, that's all I got. All right. Well, uh, the principle, as we've said a few times, if you are wrong, admit it quickly and emphatically. Um, And we think it'll solve a lot of problems for you. And uh, if you're bad at this, just give Garrett a call. He'll give you some (laughs) tips. He's a pro. Yeah, I'm not dropping my phone number on this uh, podcast. Though. His phone number is eight zero one. Stop. <laughs> I don't. I don't have. I'll give twelve listeners my phone number. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Also, uh, you know, just drop us a review, rate it, rate the podcast. Really help us out. Yeah, and uh, Garrett has another podcast. If I you do. Want to mention it. It's called Deeper Thinking. It's just me and my brother-in-law talking about a bunch of random topics that we come up with. Um, it's a lot of fun. We've I've learned about the uh, intelligence of dolphins, talked about aliens, talked about McDonald's breakfast food one time. You know, we have a lot of good topics. So <laughs> come on over, give us a listen. All right, do it. Um... Thanks for listening. This has been Topical Brainstorm, and we'll see you again next week. See ya.